Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I suppose we are two people that should be quite used to these kind of temperatures. Whatever you've done, it's even more than we can bear. But let me, let me give you a word of uh, kind of encouragement. Your rains ended up in our part of the world. And if you can cope with the heat and be done in a few days, we don't know how to cope with your rains. So it's been severe floodings in the southern part of Bulgaria, Greece, Turkey. So please take your rains back here. <laughs> please. Good morning, good morning, wonderful Purley Baptist Church. It's a real joy to be here, and we're so grateful to uh, your pastoral team for inviting us to share this morning. Um, allow me to start with a little example that something that happened long, long, long time ago in the ninth century when Bulgaria was uh, becoming a Christian country. A lot of people were very impressed with prayer. So, uh, especially in the, in the villages uh, higher up into the mountains, many people would go to have their private prayer time and they would go on a path, take a path to be by themselves amongst the, the, the trees and uh, possibly um, higher bushes away so that they can uh, talk to God. And as they walked, grass stopped growing on the paths. So you could see all these little paths leading to these private prayer places. And it was very obvious when somebody stopped praying because grass started growing on their path. So other people would ask brother or sister, why is grass growing on your path? Meaning, why have you stopped praying? <laughs> so can we ask you this morning, is there grass growing on your prayer path this morning or not? When we come to this church, we we feel at home for several reasons. You probably know that, but let me, for the sake of explaining the context of what we're going to say today, is um, basically this has been a place of training for us and a place of shaping our ministry. We were part of the trainee uh, students at Persians College and we were placed here, literally, to observe how, minist how ministry is done in a very interesting uh, historical uh, part of this church. So we were learning a lot through just observing your ministers at the time. This is a few years ago, 25 years ago, but it has left a lasting memory and knowledge of how to actually operate and run a successful church for the gospel in a, in a place like London. Uh, also, this has been a place of recognition right here. Again, 25 years ago, Didi and I kneeled and we were blessed by the pastors here and some leaders of the union and we were commissioned, we were ordained for ministry. Uh, which has uh, kept us accountable to this church, if you want, for all these years. So for us, it's important when we come here to say thank you for the recognition and the support. And this is another thing, the support all throughout these years of the ministry, life and mission in Bulgaria. Not, not in the last place. It is remarkable to open your email and receive a little message from the prayer director in this church saying, we're going to be praying next week. Could you please send some prayer points? And you send some because you're right in the middle of some difficult times. And you're, you're not only warmed, you feel encouraged, you, you feel empowered to know that 2,000 miles away, someone cares for you, for your family, for your ministry, for the country of Bulgaria, for your, for your mission, and they will pray for you. And we've seen remarkable answers of prayers that you have said in, in, the, in the Lord's name for us in Bulgaria. So thank you for this. Therefore, the subject of prayer seemed to be an appropriate one this morning. So prayer, prayer is so important. And it's so important for us personally. It's so important for us 
as families, it's so important for us as a church community. Uh, it's so, so, so vital. And it's such a great gift that God has given to us. Uh, so pray something that we'd like to share about. And um, I would like to ask you a question uh, this morning. Do you have prayers which have not been answered? I do. Oh, one, okay. Has anybody got all their prayers answered? Okay, good. Thank you for honesty. <laughs> yes, all of us have prayers which have not been answered. But when do we stop praying about a certain thing? When do we get tired of praying about a certain thing? Are we fervent? Are we earnest in our prayers? Because James, the author of the epistle, um, writes, the biblical author, he writes about prayer. And he takes an example, Elijah, as somebody who prayed Fervently. So let us re read the text. We find it in James chapter 5, 17 and 18, verse 17 and 18. So I would ask you to please open your Bibles and uh, read it together with me. So James writes in chapter 5, Elijah was the human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Thanks be to God for his word. Elijah was the prophet that God sent to the northern kingdom of Israel 900 years before Christ. This is almost 3,000 years ago from our time. Do you feel like Elijah today, anyone? <laughs> like the prophet Elijah? Because James says he was just like us. How are we just like him? I mean, I read about this prophet, and yes, he raised people from the dead. He called fire from heaven and got answered. As we're going to see today, he called for a drought, and a three-year drought came. And then he called for rain, and God gave rain. But at the same time, when you look at his life, he fell into depression from time to time. There were moments in his life when God would look at him and ask him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Have you had a moment in your life when God asks you, hey, what are you doing here? I thought you should be there, but you are here. And also, this man at some point was quite afraid of people. Yes, a wicked queen with a lot of power, yet people, even to the point of asking God to take his own life. Maybe, maybe he was a man like us. He had difficulties in his life. He was called to be a prophet at the time of, of a king called Ahab. And for him, we read... Uh, kind of an explanation of what this king did and who he was. Quoting 1 Kings chapter 16, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord and even more than all who were before him. He was practicing worshiping of a god called Baal, surprisingly god of rain and fertility, the one who's supposed to control all your life to the best. And that worship included horrific, brutal cruelty, sexual perversions, violence, child sacrifice. This was all in the time of Elijah. So no matter how great the darkness, though, God has sent this prophet to change things or God to change things through him. No matter how great the darkness, God brings light. And Elijah 
was sent exactly to be the messenger of this light into a very dark land at the time because God hated what the Israelites were becoming and what they were doing in front of him. So he sent him to King Ahab exactly at this very difficult time and Elijah was crystal clear that what was coming, that the devastating drought coming was actually sent by God because God is the creator. He gives rain, he takes rain away. So just listen to King, 1 Kings 17. Chapter, uh, verse 1, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishb in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord of God the, of Israel lives, before whom I stand, as the Lord of God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, not Baal, not anybody else, but the Lord God of Israel who lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain three years accept by my word. So that was the message that the king received. And indeed, there was no rain. Lots happened in the three years. We're not going to concentrate on that because we don't have time this morning. But the time came when Elijah was led to pray for rain. And this is the prayer on which we would like to concentrate this morning and take five points out of it to learn from, from the prayer that Elijah prayed. So open with me, if you can, 1 Kings 18, and we're going to read from verse 41 to verse 46. So let's just read together. 1 Kings 18 from 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back and look. The seventh time, the servant reported, a, crowd, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rainstorm came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came to Elijah and tucking his cloak, into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Elijah, he was aware of the presence of God. He knew God and he relied to God in prayer. So I guess the first thing we can say, and I know they taught us as Persians College, don't state the obvious, but here is an obvious point. Prayer should be done by faith. That's right, isn't it? How is your faith when you pray? If you're like me, you've got prayer lists of things. Uh, I'm a pastor, so there are lots of names on my prayer list and a lot of issues, and some are connected with the church, some are connected with the union, some are personal issues, and I go through them, and I've been taught by my parents and, and by, by God himself, we need to be fervent in prayer. We'll say more about that, but do you find yourself that sometimes you're just going through the prayers without even considering, do you really believe you're going to get answers to every one of them? And trusting God to the point of, of really having strong faith. Listen to what Elijah said. He said to Ahab, verse 41, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. For three years they haven't seen a drop of rain. 
They've heard the sound of winds, sounds of, sounds of fires, I'm sure, because when you don't get rain, you get fires, forest fires, if there are forests left. How did he hear any sound? One commentator is saying maybe the sound he heard has been the sure promise of God ringing in his soul. I mean, Elijah was probably the only person believing that there was rain coming after three years of total drought. He walked by faith, and sometimes walking by faith meant he was alone. Faith, remember um, Hebrews 11.1? 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, things you can't prove. It's conviction of things that are not seen. Remember when we got this vision from God, this sound from God about this new church building and a new center that we were about to build? And believe me, we were quite alone. I remember a moment in which someone called me on the phone. said, Pastor, I've been praying about this. I think this vision is from Satan. You would never be able to build this thing. This is too big. Why don't we do this and do this and do that at that time? And I remember crying for about 15, 20 minutes after this phone call. Because it was so clear. I've heard the sound of rain, figuratively speaking, about this, this new, new thing. And yet, some people that I valued very much did not hear the same sound. Sometimes praying with, with faith means you're the only one that gets the faith for it. Not only the vision, but, but, but get the faith for it. So, so it's a simple point we, know, we all know, but isn't it something we need to be reminded? When Elijah prayed, he had full faith, full confidence of what he heard, although he might have been the only person that got this message at the time. So the second thing, one, praying with faith. The second thing is praying with humbleness. Ahab goes, Elijah climbs the mountain, we read in verse 42, and then he kneels down and he puts his head between his knees. Posture of praying. Elijah was very brave in front of men and very humble in front of God. Yes, we, we're called to be bold and come in boldness to God and ask our prayers. But at the same time, we don't command God when we pray. At the same time, there was nobody at the mountain. Elijah was by himself. He didn't need to pause his prayer for anyone. It was just God and his servant. So Elijah was in this position of prayer, knowing the God he was standing before, knowing the Almighty that he was standing before, showing the humbleness, showing the way he thinks, showing the way he knows the promises of God. So coming boldly, to God, but at the same time coming humbly. There's one picture I'll never forget, and it's the picture of my father praying next to his bed. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home during the communist time, which was very rare because very few people were evangelical Christians at the time, not minority, minority of the minority, really few. And there in Bulgaria, communist Bulgaria, we just prayed for North Korea and we continued to pray. But then I remember my father kneeling and praying every single evening. And this is a picture that stayed with me all this way. Well, are we ashamed of posture of prayer? Do we let our children, our grandchildren, see how we pray and the way we pray and the way we revere in front of God? Let me just tell you a, a fun story. I heard about this young man some long time ago who went um, to the army and he was actually um, new, he was given um, guard, he was watch, on watch, he was on duty during the night, so he was trying very hard not to fall asleep. 
And he was doing very well until about 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, but then around 4 a.m. his eyes just started dropping slowly and he dozed off. So at, one po at that point he opened his eyes and he saw the officer standing right in front of him and he remembered the penalty he would get for actually falling asleep. Then this was a place where prayer was respected and the pose of prayer was respected. So he just closed his eyes again he said, Amen, O Lord, lifted his eyes and looked at the officer and escaped punishment. But praying humbly, with faith and humbly. This couldn't have saved me. When I was in the army, it wasn't allowed to pray or read your Bible. So saying Amen would definitely get me penalized <laughs> if this was happening. But thirdly, have you prayed earnestly? Go and look toward the sea, Elijah told his servant. And he went up and looked, and there was nothing there. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. <laughs> Seven times. This is actually very interesting, because behind these two words, there's a whole episode. And in order to be able to understand where we're coming from, we'd like to actually... Um, show you what actually happened because the Bible is very short and I would be Elijah. Could I be Elijah? No, no. you'd be Elijah. And Teddy will be the servant. So let's just, let's just show you what happened because these two words, you cannot grasp of exactly what is happening. How many of you climb mountains? Like trekking. Oh, well done. Okay, I do too. <laughs> so imagine you're at the top of the mountain. Elijah has already prayed one time. The servant has come back. Nothing. Then Elijah prays again. He goes on his knees. He puts his head between his knees. I cannot really do that. And goes down and says, God, please give rain. He gets up and he tells his servant to please go and see if there's any cloud coming, if anything is happening above the sea. The servant goes and comes back and... Nothing. Nothing. Third time. Now let's count. Elijah goes down and he prays. And he says, God, please give rain. And he gets up and he sends his servant to go up higher in the mountain. And look, and he looks, and he comes back. And he comes back. Blue skies, <laughs> nothing. How many times? Four times Elijah goes down on his knees and he puts his head between his knees and he prays, Oh God, please give rain. And he sends his servant and he goes and he prays. He looks and he comes back to tell Elijah that there is, there is nothing. nothing. How many times? Five. Five? Six times. Elijah goes down on his knees and he prays and says, God, please give rain. And then he comes up and he sends his servant to go again. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes and he comes back and he says, Blue skies, nothing, master. Okay. He goes down on his knees seven, seven, seven times. And he prays and says, God, please send rain. And then he gets up and he sends his servant again no. to go up. And it looks like he's making fun of his servant. How many times do you pray? 
A small, small cloud. No, cloud. Cloud. Seven times. How often do we pray for one thing? When do we give up? When is it? When 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 is enough? Do we spend years praying? Do we spend weeks praying? We had a really difficult time this last uh, few weeks, and thank you so much for praying for us, family-wise. And uh, at one point, I was getting to the point saying, God, why are you not answering my prayer? So this was a big lesson for me, for us as a family as well. Elijah did not get discouraged. Elijah continued to pray. Elijah continued to trust in God because he was trusting in God's faithfulness. And remember the song we sang, he was trusting in God's promises. He had faith, he prayed humbly, but he also prayed earnestly. Remember the widow? In the New Testament, in Luke 18, the parable of the widow that Jesus tells his disciples when he's teaching them how to pray. And yes, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but you can find it in the beginning of chapter 18 of Luke. And she's so insistent when she's praying that she's even impertinent. In front of the judge. In, in front of the judge. And the, she gets what she wants. And Jesus says to his disciples, this is how you should pray. So insistent before God. This is how you should pray. Even though, says the last verse, it may seem that God is being slow in his answer. Even though it may seem that he's not replying as we want it, on the time we want it. So the fourth thing. There's another thing which is small but very important. Elijah prayed very specifically. Uh, we have a prayer meeting every Wednesday evening in our church and for some people it's a routine to come to this meeting and we're happy that quite a few join us. But sometimes you listen to the prayers being offered, many of them are um, voices, people praying in, in the room. And they've become so routine, they, they're not specific enough. Yes, we pray for this and that and, and the next Sunday, you, the next Wednesday you hear the same, the same prayers. Elijah was extremely specific, he prayed for rain. Psalm 5, verse 3 says, these are the words of David. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I will lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Sometimes the translation doesn't serve us well here because the words, the phrase they use is actually you lay your arrows in a special direction, aiming at something. Some commentators even are saying this is like putting your arrow in a bow and you're aiming at something. And I, David is saying, I will lay my prayers very specifically for very specific things which lay on my heart. And please, Lord, these specific things are there. So how specific are our prayers? It's good to pray. It's good to have a routine of prayer. But is it something that you really specifically know you want from the Lord and He has laid it on your heart? Let me tell you a story, a recent story I heard from a Baptist minister who visited Bulgaria. He's from Ukraine, one of the leaders there. And we're talking about the war. He preached in the church. We prayed for Ukraine. And then talking to him over lunch, he was like, let me share something for you just to tell you, just to show you we're not so great in Ukraine in the middle of the war. He said, we as Baptist pastors, we have these regular meetings. And at some of the meetings, uh, one of our pastors got a vision. And the vision was very clear. Pray for the soldiers of the Russian army. And he shared it with everyone. People were not very happy with that. And they were like starting to pray, may the Lord kill them all and send them back home. And then the guy was, no, that's not the vision. Let's pray for their blessing. Pray for the blessing of the Russian soldiers. Now, if you're Ukrainian, that's not an easy prayer. 
Yet they followed this vision and started praying. To their surprise, within a month time, less than a month time, they got this phone call from a regional director of all of the prisons in the area they were ministering. And the phone call was very simple. The guy said, we now have a lot of prisoners of war from the Russian army. Young boys, most of them. You've always wanted to come and preach in the prison and now is your time. Come and make them all Christians. Come and make them all forget about the war and repent for what they've done. Now the, past, the, the pastors, it took them three weeks to make up their mind. Would they follow this call from the prison ministry or not? Eventually they went there and this guy was saying we were like uh, Jonah and the uh, Ninevians. We, we didn't really want to share very much of the gospel. We were there to tell them how wrong they were, yet we shared the gospel. Guess what? Many of them accepted Christ. And we were having now big baptismal service of Russian soldiers in the prisons in Ukraine. Because of this specific vision and how specific is your prayer? Do you expect God to make a miracle of the stuff that you really, really need to see being answered in your life? Mm. At the very last thing, the fifth thing we'd like to share with you is pray expectantly. Expect an answer. And the text he here is from, 40, from verse 44 onwards, it says, a cloud as small as a man's hand, other translations say, as a, as a man's fist, that little, the servant was able to see that coming from the sea up. Now, how often do I miss the small cloud? <laughs> the answer prayer that God is giving me. Just recently, I found one of my um, um, prayer diaries. And I looked at it and uh, what I had said, what I had prayed for, when I did it and what answer I received. And I was actually amazed looking back, seeing how God answered my prayers. It wasn't what I expected, but I would never want to have something different from what he gave me. So, little cloud, God answers prayer and he answers it in the best possible way for us. But do we miss the little cloud that he's actually sending? Because this is the better thing for us. This is the good thing for us. And Elijah believed before the big storm came, he sent for the, the king to be down and safe from the rain before the big storm came, when the little cloud was present. So pray expectantly something really, really important and such a big blessing to expect and to recognize and to be able to see the little clouds that God gives us. Because the, the purpose of prayer is so that glory can be given to God. Yes, we pray well. Yes, we're faithful. Yes, we look for God. But it's not because we are wonderful, but because of who He is. And because He wants the world to see who He is. So the purpose of answered prayers is the glory be given to God so that others can see in our lives who we love and who we belong to. So knowing God's word better, knowing his promises better, trusting in them and praying with expectation and recognizing the little clouds is a big blessing in our lives. So how is your prayer path? Is there grass on it? Do you walk often enough? Can people say by the way God has been visible in your life about your prayer life as well? 
a preacher of old, Wesleyan Methodist minister by the name Sam Chadwick, said something which I'm sure you've heard before, but I want to remind you at the end of this short sermon about his conviction. He, he was heard to preach more than once the following. He used to say, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion, prayerless ministries. He laughs at our toil, he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. The Lord God lives, and I would like to repeat that phrase that we shared in the beginning. No matter how great the darkness, God brings light. So let us be that, these servants that pray, and this light comes, no matter the darkness, in our lives and in the world that God has placed us to be in. May God bless us all. Amen. Amen.